Let me get myself set up here. You might want to turn to Acts chapter 2. Actually, that's what you could be doing kind of uh, in the meantime. We have started our Neighbourhoods to Nations series and uh, started it last week. And now we're in Acts chapter 2. Really excited to hear what people have already brought this morning. Fits wonderfully uh, well into what we're going to be talking about. Let me get one more thing. We're going to be looking at really a, what is foundationally important in our understanding of the book of Acts. Well, not just the book of Acts, but it's an event that was to, well, I mean, Gene's already used the word, ripple out through the pages of Acts and reverberate not just through this book, but through history and into our lives. And it'll impact our lives this morning and, in fact, for the rest of our lives together as a church and also individually. We're looking at this really, really central, important event that makes a massive difference to us. So we're going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 2. Jesus has been incarnate, been born, lived, been crucified, risen again, and ascended to be with his Father. And now we read in Acts chapter 2, the disciples are gathered. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of, as of fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it then that we hear each, uh, each of us in our own language? Now, he lists all the kind of nations that were around the region, different nations and people groups. And in verse 11, um, all these people hearing are saying, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And he continues with the the prophetic word from, uh, from Joel in the Old Testament. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're in in verse 22 now. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And Peter again shows him, he goes to the Old Testament and shows them how all this had been prophesied in advance. And God had spoken these things in advance and uh, particularly this pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And he finishes with this in verse 36. 
Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So wonderful account of what happened. It's quite a long chapter. So to help us, we're going to focus particularly on verse 4. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And uh, it's a wonderful verse. And to help us through that verse, we're going to focus on three words. In fact, one of them is a phrase. First, the Holy Spirit. Second, filled. And third, speak. The Holy Spirit, filled, and speak. And that's going to help us take us through this verse and actually uh, be a lens into this whole passage for us and be a means by which God is going to bless us, fill us himself this morning. And just to say... We're, I'm going to, we're going to be praying at the end. It's wonderful. Wayne's already kind of led us in asking for more of God. God, will you be my rock? We, wonderfully, Hester's kind of shared about that God's not dead. He's alive. He's inside like a roaring lion. And we're going to be praying for these things. We're going to continue to pray as, uh, towards the end of what, what, what God says to us through this. But I, I want to say, don't wait for that. I even kind of sense now the Spirit moving, has been moving amongst us, even as we gathered and we prayed and we've sung. And as the Word goes out, God is going to be moving and meeting you at different points as we share the Word. The Spirit and the Word, very much together, should never be separated. The, the Word of God is the, is the sword of the Spirit. God's Word is breathed out by God. And as God's Word goes out, so the Spirit of God works as uh, truth is declared. And uh, so just be expecting at different points, at different, at different times, as we kind of look at God's Word together, that God would meet you where you are. And I say, at the end, we're going to take a little time, particularly to ask God, God, would you fill us? Would you come on the inside? We're going to wonderfully be, be doing that. But uh, let's be expecting as we go through. So we're looking, first of all, at this first phrase, the Holy Spirit. And I wonder if you know what the Holy Spirit is. I wonder if you know who the Holy Spirit is. And I wonder if you know the Holy Spirit. I wonder if you know the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, as we read through the Bible, we kind of uh, get revelation about who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is fully God. The fullness of God. It's a distinct person from God the Father, distinct from God the Son, yet fully God, as is God the Father and God the Son. Everything that makes God, God is true of the Holy Spirit. Everything that makes God, God is true of God the Son, God the Father. Yet there is one God. And that might be hard to get our heads around. Certainly it is as you kind of think about it, but it's wonderfully glorious to live out and in the good of. The Holy Spirit, wonderfully, fully God. And of course, it's by the Spirit that we actually experience and live out these things. We can kind of spend time trying to piece it together. And uh, many have done that over, over the centuries, kind of, kind of encapsulating the, the biblical truth on what we call the Trinity. But actually, we can live it out by the Spirit. It's by the Spirit in us that we can know God the Father, that we can, we can have a revelation of God the Son, and we can have the indwelling of God the Holy Spirit in us. It's not complicated. It's wonderfully experiential as these truths work out in our life. Where the Holy Spirit is, God is. What the Holy Spirit says, God says. What the Holy Spirit does, God does. 
What you say to the Holy Spirit, you say to God. What you do in the power of the Spirit, you do in the power of God. And as we shall see in just a moment, as we we look on, as we come to this next word, filled. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then where you go, God goes. Where you go, God goes. And the Holy Spirit is in you. The presence of God goes with you. The Holy Spirit characteristically involved in particularly applying the work of God. The Father in initiating, sending the Son, the Son carrying out the work of salvation. And then the Holy Spirit coming and applying the work of God to our lives in all its fullness. This is characteristically the role of the Spirit, the person of the Spirit. And as we said, there's an intimate working between Spirit and Word in the revelation of Jesus, applying the revelation of Jesus to us. The Apostle John records Jesus saying to him, before he went away, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. When the Spirit of truth comes, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. See, this ministry of the Holy Spirit, Jesus revealing who the Father is fully. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, says Jesus. And the Holy Spirit coming and taking what is, what, what is true of Jesus and applying it, declaring it, applying the truth of who Jesus is. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has is mine, says Jesus. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And we will be asking in just a moment. It's to their advantage that Jesus goes away because Jesus is going to send the Spirit, he's going to ask the Father, and the Spirit is going to be poured out, just as we've read this account in Acts, and just as wonderfully we can be expectant for in our own lives, the Spirit poured out. Wonderful that the disciples, the twelve, they walked with Jesus, they, they walked with the, the God incarnate, and yet there's something even more wonderful that's being spoken about here, with the presence of God dwelling inside millions, billions of believers in a wonderfully powerful way, a life-changing way. And the Holy Spirit comes to declare these truths to us, to speak these truths to us about who Jesus is so that we can live it and experience it and ask for more of it and taste it and rejoice in it and share in it. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if you know the Holy Spirit you know in working in your life. Let's move on to this next word, filled. It's a wonderful word. It's a big part of how the Holy Spirit applies the work of Jesus to our lives and wants to do today. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's why I've got all this paraphernalia here. We understand what it, what it means to be filled, don't we? You see this, this glass here. And as I fill it, that's what's being talked about. It's being a vessel filled right to the top. Like that. Filled. This 
cup filled with water. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that's a kind of a visual illustration, but let's dig down a little bit more in terms of what this actually means. What does this look like? What is the experience of this? And it's interesting to me that as the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit, people look and they see and they say, they're filled with new wine. They're, they're drunk. They're, they're under the influence of something. And the best they can do in their minds is to think kind of new wine. They're, they're under the influence. And this link between the Holy Spirit and wine is not a one-off here in this passage. In fact, if we go to Ephesians 5, verse 18, Paul writes, Do not get drunk with wine, for that leads to debauchery. That is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. There's this comparison, this analogy being made, the work of the Spirit in our lives, and what happens when we drink, uh, drink wine, perhaps too much wine. So there's a compare and contrast thing going on here. And uh, here certainly uh, Paul, as he writes in, in, in to the Ephesians, he's trying to steer them away from the counterfeit. He says, it's, it's kind of, it might look like that, but it, that's the fake thing. The too much wine thing is the fake thing. I want you to experience the real thing. And so let's think a little bit more about that in just a moment. But here's a wonderful quote I've always liked from a guy called David Carr in his book, Staying Sane in a Crazy World. He writes, People turn to drugs or alcohol because they recognize there is a massive void in their life, a void in their thinking and understanding that dates back to the fall of man, a void that did not exist when man's original state was still intact and his mind was filled only with God. People are trying to simulate what only the Holy Spirit can give, which is the pure peace of God, the pure purpose of God, and the pure presence of God. Do you want that? I want that. I want more of that. He goes on. When the Holy Spirit comes powerfully upon a person, it causes a massive rush of well-being, and the world desperately wants to experience that. And maybe you do too. It's what you're made for. It's what I'm made for, to be filled with the very presence of God, to be caught up into the purposes of God for us, for you. I wonder, do you know the Holy Spirit? Well, let's just, let's just continue with our comparison here. And it seemed to me there were four things as I kind of thought about it. First of all, let's think about relationships in terms of similarities and differences, because people do kind of connect around wine, don't they? They do kind of, kind of we have a, have a drink, and I don't drink myself, but I, I know others kind of, they, they gather around and you can socialize and that can work quite well. But too much wine, too much, and the whole thing begins to break down. We begin to do and say things that destroy relationship. Relationships start, there starts to be distance between us. What seemed to be working out quite well as we gathered around a few drinks can actually turn very quickly into something that's disastrous for relationships. We can do things that leave us ashamed and feeling isolated. By contrast, you can never have too much of the Holy Spirit. More and more and more and more. And he brings people together. And there's a unity that we can know that nothing else will get you there. A unity, yes, between one another, between people, but a unity between us and God. And we enjoy this wonderful unity in God together as brothers and sisters, born into the same family by the Spirit. And the more that you're filled with the Spirit, the more we can enjoy a wonderful unity with God, relationship with God and with one another. 
and it manifests wonderfully in our relationships with one another. As we are filled with the very presence of God, we experience His patience and His kindness and His forgiveness and His love. That is poured into our heart by His presence. And that begins to infuse out into our relationships with one another. Maybe it's because I don't drink that I can, I can very easily smell when people have, have had a drink themselves. It begins to kind of come out of their pores. And so it is, as we're filled with the Spirit, we begin to have the fragrance of Christ about us, in our character, in the way that we deal with one another, in the way that we speak with one another and of one another, as the Holy Spirit fills us. So that's relationships. Let's move on and talk about something else. Wine can make us bold. And these guys look very bold as they burst out onto the street. Wow, this is kind of, who would do that? They were fearful before. They were kind of shut up in a locked room. And now they're kind of out on the streets and they're, they're kind of they're speaking loudly. And the best that people can do is think they must have had too much wine because they're so bold. And indeed, alcohol can make you bold. But there are two massive problems, at least, that we need to be aware of. And the first is that we end up losing control. We, we want to be bold, and so we might have a bit too much, but actually what happens is we end up losing control and doing things that actually we didn't want to do, that we don't want to do. Having too much can open us up to ungodly influence that controls and ends up enslaving us. We wanted to do something. We wanted freedom, and actually we find the opposite. As we have more wine, it goes the wrong way. By contrast... You can never have too much of the Holy Spirit. As we're filled with the Spirit, God is wonderfully shaping our desires so that we see the right thing to do and so that we, we decide to do the right thing. He, he works in us to desire and to do such that we decide. The Holy Spirit, as he fills us, doesn't, he doesn't make us lose control. He brings a wonderful godly self-control to see the right thing, to desire the right thing, and to do the right thing. This is the first wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit. As he brings a boldness, but it's a boldness that actually has a self-controlledness about it, if that's, a, if that's a word. The next problem is that although wine might make us bold, it makes us weak. It makes you weak. It actually persuades you that you're stronger than you are, and we end up doing things that put us in a dangerous, or other people in a dangerous situation, because it, can, it lies to us that we're strong, but it then puts us in a vulnerable situation. There's a downside to the boldness that wine can bring. It can actually leave us weak long-term, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically. It takes away. By contrast, you can never have too much of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit not only emboldens us, but empowers us with the very presence of God in us, enabling us to do what God calls us into doing, wonderfully distributing gifts in all kinds of ways. And sometimes we can identify those gifts, but often just working through those things that God has called us to do. God is with you. He emboldens us because of his presence. He says to, to Joshua, Don't be courageous, I'm with you. This is the truth of the matter. This is the way the Holy Spirit emboldens us. The third one, our emotions. The Holy Spirit can um, make us happy in a way that, that wine can't. Wine I mean, can make us a little bit happy. People do get happy when they drink. People sing when they drink, don't they? 
Um, when they have perhaps with eyes, the more they have, the, the more merry they get. But it comes at a cost. There's a downside. There's at, at best a hangover. At worst, there's long-term depression that can result. As the more we rely on an artificial means to boost our sense of well-being, we're trying, to, we're trying to fill something that only God can fill, that only the, the fullness, the presence of God in us can fill. These uh, graphs that I, I kind of think about when I... When, I um, when, when we use artificial means to boost our, our sense of well-being, it does kind of work at first. Can you see that line? Almost. It just kind of goes up. We do, you do start feeling better. But there's always a crash. It comes down again. And then we need even more to feel better about ourselves. And so we, we, we take it again. We perhaps have a little bit more wine. Up it goes again. But do you see, it doesn't always take us to where it first took us. There's something being taken away. There's a capacity that's being reduced as we rely on things to fill in us this which only God can meet. Our capacity gets reduced. And so it goes on and goes down and down and down and down. It's the law of diminishing returns. By contrast, you can never have too much of the Holy Spirit because there is an increasing capacity. The more we're filled with God, the greater our desire and our capacity for more of Him and the greater heights of, of satisfaction and well-being and joy that we can experience. And I don't want to be unreal here. The, kind of the graph does go up and down if we're just talking about our human experience, our emotions. But nevertheless, the more of God that we, that we experience, that we are filled with, the more of His presence, the more that we know His love for us, there's an expanding of our capacity as He renews our mind. As we're born again by the Spirit, as we mature and grow as Christians, He fills us and fills us and fills us and fills us. The more you have, the greater your capacity for more of the knowledge of God's love for you. Finally, let's think about our mind. One of the reasons wine makes us happy is because it makes us forgetful. We forget things. Tim Keller puts it rather bluntly when he says, alcohol makes us happy by making us stupid. Alcohol makes us happy by making us stupid. He says, the happiness you may feel when you are drunk comes because you are less aware of reality. The Spirit, however, gives you joy, joyful fearlessness by making you more aware of reality. It assures you that you are a child of the only one whose opinion and power matters. As you're filled with the Spirit, you, actually, you know more. You know more about the real state of affairs, and that's what gives you boldness, and that's what gives you joy. The Holy Spirit makes us happy and bold and filled with joy by making us more intelligent, not less, by reminding us of the truth, not trying to help us forget the truth, the truth of God's grace to us, God's love for us, who we are in him, dearly loved sons and daughters. Remember when Jesus was baptised, as he came up out of the waters, the Spirit of God came down and there was a voice from heaven. You've got the, kind of this, 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 this revelation from the Father's heart. that This is my Son, my Beloved. As the Spirit came upon Jesus, the Son of God, there was this declaration from heaven. And so it is with us as we're filled with the Spirit. There is this, this cry from, from our hearts, a cry from the Spirit's heart that we are sons of God, daughters of God, Abba, Father. That's a work of the Spirit in us. We look at God's Word. This God's Word proclaims if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're a son or a daughter of God, and He loves you like you just wouldn't 
more, he just loves you more than you could possibly ever know, which is why God needs to continually expand our capacity to understand and will do for all eternity. But as we're filled with the Spirit, we began to know, I am a child of God. I am. And in our experience, Abba, Father, our Father. It's the Holy Spirit crying with our spirit that we're children of God. As the Holy Spirit applies Jesus' work to our lives. He takes what's true of Jesus and declares it to us, just as Jesus, as a, a son of God. We, we, in him, are children of God. Finally, I want to move on to this fourth word, sorry, third word, speak. Just touch on that briefly. See, I've deliberately focused on what happens in us because we're filled to know. We're filled to know. But actually, it doesn't stop there. We're also filled to go. It's important we understand it starts on the inside. Otherwise, we start trying to manufacture what happens on the outside, and you can't do that. It needs to come from the inside out if it's to be authentic and real and lasting. So as we understand that we're filled with the Holy Spirit on the inside, there is a a flow, there is a go that happens. And again, wonderfully encouraging to hear Hester talk about this, the roaring lion living on the inside. You You can't keep it quiet. You can't keep the Holy Spirit to yourself. God is a roaring lion. You've got to cry out. You've got to speak out. And that's what happened for these disciples. They had to speak out. It's not just filled. It's filled. This is why I've got this kind of bucket here. This is the picture. This is what's happening in Acts 2. There is a, a filled to overflow. It's continually happening. Filled to overflow. As we are filled to know, we're filled to go and we speak. It's a very practical word. We could say roar. When we're filled with the Spirit, there's always a speaking or a singing or a a verbal outworking or outpouring, as well practically with what we do as well. But here particularly, it seems to me, as we read through Acts, is a verbal component to the overspill of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And here we see it's in these miraculous tongues, what are called tongues, whereby they are just, they're just overflowing and by the Spirit just declaring the, the, the great things of God, the mighty things of God. And people hear them in their own languages and it's, it's kind of a miraculous. But it's not always like that. As we read on in this passage and the rest of Acts, there's all kinds of other things that happen. Sometimes it's praise, sometimes prophecy, sometimes proclamation, which is what Peter does next, actually. But for us, it might not be preaching to hundreds. It might be just sharing carefully your heart with a handful or with just one. But it'll happen as you're filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the content about? Well, I'm sure you know. The content is Jesus. These guys, they hear them telling in their own tongues the mighty works of God. And what are the mighty works of God? It's the sending of his son Jesus. It's his dying on the cross. It's him rising again to eternal life. These are the mighty works of God, dying in our place for our sin. And as Peter speaks, again, he's filled with the Spirit and he speaks out, this time in intelligible language, in, in the common language that everyone can understand. He says, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested to you by by God with mighty works and wonders and signs. And he says, you crucified him. God raised him. He speaks about Jesus. This is exactly what the Holy Spirit does. Taking what's true of Jesus and declaring it to people. Declaring it to us if you're a follower of Jesus so that you know, but through you to others so that everybody knows. This is characteristically the work of the Holy Spirit. Powerful work of the Holy Spirit. We're filled to know, but filled to go. 
And uh, just wonderful to share this morning, as we did, about the work of God, the Spirit of God working amongst us. There's a, there's a knowing, but there's a going as well. And it's not just kind of Toby and Jean going. Remember, this is, this is characteristic of God's people who are filled with the Spirit. There is this wonderful overspill and going and sharing and giving out. And it's wonderful that it's characterizing us, even just, I mean, it's not a coincidence, but even as we look at this passage together. It's not just Toby. This will characterize all of, our, all of us who are being filled with the Spirit. There will be a, a surprise in going into different things and that, that will look differently for different ones of us. I'm going to invite the band back because I really want to pray for us. We're going to, uh, we'll encourage you to pray, really. Why don't we stand together as they, as they, as they come back? Let, and, uh, do you want to be filled with the Spirit? Do, do, has God been working a thirst in you for more of him? Even as we began together, God's speaking to us. He couldn't wait. He couldn't wait for me to get up and to start talking about this. It's on his heart for you today, for me today, that we would be filled with his presence, his love, his power, filled to know and filled to go. Let me just read you this, uh, this guy, Charles Finney, a 19th century lawyer. He, uh, he said, The Holy Spirit descended on me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. It seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy for love because he can't contain it. What is happening on the inside is flowing out on the outside. I wept aloud with joy and love, and I do not know, but I should say I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushings of my heart. He's being filled with the Spirit. And I want to say that for different ones of us, we experience these things in different ways. And it, it might, it, that might not be your experience, but I want to say, well, I want to encourage you to come with me now to the Father. And say, Lord, you've... You promised something for me and for us. You promised the Spirit. You promised to fill me. And maybe you've had experiences of that before. Maybe you've had, maybe you haven't. But each one of us, there's more. There is more. If He's filled you before, it's to increase your capacity for the more. If you didn't know about any of these things, you say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I've not experienced anything like that. Well, it's for you. As, as Peter goes on to preach the gospel, he talks about Jesus he's dying in our place for our sin being raised to life. And then he says, and the Spirit is given to all. This promise of the Spirit is for all who are far off. And we're pretty far off here. It's for you. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's for you. And maybe if you're not a Christian this morning, may, maybe your prayer is, Lord, God, I don't know, but I do want to know. I don't know, but I want to know. And that's, that's, that's a prayer that the Holy Spirit answers. Because the Holy Spirit takes what's true of Jesus and applies it to you. Now that's your prayer. He's very close to you this morning. But for those of us that, that know Jesus, that have trusted Jesus, let's come to him now. Father, we come to you. This is on the basis of your word. We come to you and we ask for the Spirit of God to be poured out in us. Fill us fresh today maybe for the first time but more more Lord we ask would you fill us that we would know the infinite love of God for us in Christ 
that we would know on the inside. God, we know it's something that we can't keep to ourselves. We want to be those that are flooding out of this place and speaking in all kind of wonderful ways. But might it start here as we just express ourselves in wonderful song and cries of delight and joy as you fill us. I want to encourage you just to, to prize what God is doing, whether you feel it's little or large. Prize what he's doing. Receive what he's doing by faith. Thank him for it and ask God that you continue to fill me. We're going to sing a couple of songs in response now as we do this. The first one, well, hopefully we can sing a song that expresses something of our desire for more of the Spirit in us. And just help us just linger and maybe personally just express, Lord, I want more of your Spirit. Father, would you fill me? Spirit, would you come dwell in me? And as we move from that, we're going to, we're going to sing a declaration song because there, there, there's a receiving, but there's also a, a speaking and an overflowing that needs to happen. And even sometimes as we speak out, that's when the, the infilling happens, as we declare the, what's true about Jesus. So let me encourage each and every one of us to engage right now with God. You come to the Father. You ask the Father for His Spirit to fill you with a wonderful knowledge of all that is true about Jesus and that he would wonderfully apply it to your life by filling you with the Holy Spirit. Let's come to him now, shall we?